As for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. His shield and all who take refuge in him. And that is Psalms chapter 18, verse 30. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Bridge Radio. And we're coming at you from the great state of Texas. I am your host, A.W. Varilla, and next to me, the president is back. Steve, you're back. That's the most enthusiasm <laughs> I have ever heard from me. Um, it's good to be back. Man, I missed you. And next to us is our intern, Tommy Daniels, T.D., Teddy Daniels, whatever you, his theologian name is, is Teddy Daniels, T.D., whatever you want. How you doing? Doing good, doing good. Well, uh, we're, we're happy that you're back, but Steve... Tell us a little bit, where, what have you been doing? Because I've been telling people for the last several episodes, you've been running around the country. Yeah, so been up in Michigan, 1,500 miles away, West Michigan. Shout out to all my homeboys back up in, in West <laughs> Michigan and Holland and Zealand and uh, Grand Rapids. So we had a good time, got to see some family a little bit, uh, picked up a lot of uh, furniture, conference room furniture from uh, Herman Miller. Mm. Got some good stuff up there. So uh, yeah, we're getting excited. We're getting things set up here and uh, we'll be ready to, to rock and roll here hopefully in another week or so. Awesome. TD, what have you been up to? Just meeting up with young adults, doing some bridge stuff behind the scenes and just excited for what God is going to do in our community. Yeah. So, well, Steve, we're excited that you're back. And uh, yeah, today we are going to have a second second time guest, uh, Dave Jenkins. Uh, he was on episode 162. 161 on his book, The Word Explore. So we're super excited to have him on and uh, he can talk about his new book. Uh, for our listeners, uh, please don't forget to subscribe to Apple, Android, Google, and Stitcher Radio. And please visit our website at bridgemenlaredo.org. And please don't forget to sign up for our two, our 2022 Spanish conference. Yeah. Uh, that sure. are, it's in November, so please visit our website. Register now for for our Spanish-speaking Laredo Inns and all across uh, Central and South America. So uh, why don't we get this podcast started, guys? Let's do Let's it. Do it. All right. Dave Jenkins is happily married to Sarah Jenkins. He is writer, editor, speaker, living in a beautiful Southern Oregon. Dave is a lover of Christ, his people, the church, and sound theology. He serves as the executive director of a Servant of Grace Ministry, the executive editor of Theology for Life magazine, and is the host of the Equipping You in Grace podcast. He's the author of The Word Explore, The Problem of Biblical uh, Literacy, and What to Do About It. Welcome, Dave, to Bridge Radio for the second time. Yeah, man. It's so good to be with you, you guys. Thank you so much for, for having me again. I appreciate it. Well, Dave, thank you for uh, coming back on. For our listening audience, uh, Dave was, uh, again, I at, at the intro, I said he was on episode 161 on his other book, The Word Explorer. Please go check that out. But, uh, but today we're going to be talking about your new book, uh, Dave. But before we begin, um, can you just let us know what's been going on? What's happening? What's new? Yeah, uh, well, uh, you know, living in Southern Oregon, it's it's absolutely beautiful here. Uh, for those of you that have never been here, I'm about a I'm about an hour south of Eugene, you know. And I, I know I'm this is really going to be controversial, but I'm a not a Docs fan. Okay, so for <laughs> all of you people that live in my area that might listen to this, 
I do not like the Ducks. Okay, I'm a <laughs> Washington Husky fan. Okay, so there you go. I I, I offended whoever would listen to that that knows me here, but. Seriously, there goes uh, half our you know, audience. Yeah, that, yeah, there goes yeah. half oh, of our. Bye, bye, everybody. See you <laughs> our later. Art. <laughs> <laughs> there goes our half and, of and, our and everybody. You know, anyways. Nah. All right, but honestly, okay, uh, it's beautiful here. I love it. The people here are awesome, and uh, you know, it's it's good to be in this area and the back in the Pacific Northwest after living in California for a few years. Mm. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still happily married to my beautiful wife, which is a good thing. Yeah, uh, she is, she's a blessing to me, and uh, she's such an encouragement mm. and uh, to me. And she's praying for us as we're recording right now, and so are other other people. So praise the Lord for that. Amen. Oh, awesome! Really, really busy writing, editing, uh, doing these interviews and uh, other things, and you know, it's all it's all a privilege of God's grace. So now I, I recently saw that you joined the G3 network. Is that uh that's correct? No, no, I'm not part of the G3 network. They're publishing my next book. They're publishing your next book. Okay. All right. Or the upcoming book. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Well, that's pretty exciting. Yeah. They're great. They're a great ministry. They're, they're doing great work for the Lord and for his glory. So that's yeah. awesome. That is awesome. So Dave, your new book, The Word Matters, Defending Biblical Authority Against the Spirit of the Age. Tell us a little bit about that, why you wrote the book and uh, how you hope it will be received. What was your objective kind of in doing this? Well, this this book has been my sanctification project. Mm -hmm. I started writing this out of uh, seminary 10 years ago, wow. and it's finally being released. It got I, long, long, I could talk about that for a long time, but uh, the Lord uh, used that process to refine me, shape me, help me uh, to grow, to be a more useful instrument. Um, so I'm a very, I just posted something about prayer. I'm a very weak instrument and I need God's help. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a just trying to be, I'm a very ordinary guy, uh, trying to be faithful and focused and humble and to serve the Lord wherever he would have me. And Amen. so I, wrote, I really wrote the book for that out of, out of, uh, a lot of ministry to college students uh, in the early 2000s mm. and also growing up in Seattle and seeing friends leaving Christianity, being influenced by uh, the cultural tide by, quote unquote, um, you can't see what I'm doing right now because this isn't video, but <laughs> quote unquote, and there's, I'm using air quotes. Okay, <laughs> So just imagine me doing air quotes and I'm doing air quotes when I say progressive Christianity because it's, mm. it's not Christianity. And so I, I've seen this uh, coming. And actually, in the 10 years, what amazes me, um, you know, when my first book came out and I started reworking this one to make it even better, uh, I, I just started seeing, you know, I, I know why this is getting rejected because it's it's needed. Um, the issues haven't gone away. Hmm. Uh, the issues have actually gotten worse and hmm. they're going to keep getting worse. And um, so I, I, I wrote this book really um, that's kind of a little bit of backstory, but also I wrote it for the average Christian in the queue. Like I wrote my first book um, because I am very concerned. Uh, if you go look at uh, the the top books in on Christianity every year that sell, uh, they're mostly self help books. Mm. Um, and so that says something um, as well about what how publishing companies are leveraging their platforms to. Um, uh, to instruct the average Christian, but also says something about that, what the publishing industry thinks about the Bible. Mm. Um, 
as well as there's a large segment of, um, I would say, Christianity that, that has veered that direction, especially over the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, away from the authority of the Bible, away from just like, hey, this is what the Bible says and I'm going to believe it. And um, as, as we'll talk about today, it's 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 very tragic, and and it needs to be it needs to be said. Part of my sanctification project over the last ten years, um, when I first wrote this book, I'll be I'll be really brutally honest. There's parts of it that were truthful, but it lacked grace. And mm-hmm. the Bible is not only concerned with that we speak the truth, but that we speak it in love. And so it matters not only. I'll say it this way. It matters not only that we speak truthfully, but it matters that we speak truthfully in love. So it's not just the message that we're being faithful to the Bible, but it matters the presentation of it as well. Mm. And uh, I had to uh, do some work on that and get some, I got got some discipleship on that (laughs) for sure. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. That's great. Speaking on the authority of the Bible that you mentioned, can you explain how that relates and elaborate how a good understanding of doctrine of Scripture relates to our Christian life? Well, the simple answer is there's no way to know God outside of the 66 Mm. books of the Bible. Mm. And you might be listening to that and everybody would probably, you know, nod their head and be like, you know, amen to that. And, And you should be saying amen to that. It should not be a controversial thing to say that at all. Um, In the area where I live, you have the New Apostolic Reformation, Hmm. and this is a growing movement of of people that um, claim to have revelation outside of God's Word. Hmm. Um, You have the guy who founded the Passion Translation, for example. He, he, uh, Brian Simmons, I have to pause because sometimes I call him something else, but his last name is Simmons, okay? But but he he supposedly received a commission from the Lord in getting this translation. And if you go on the Passion website, uh, you can see all of the all of the the new apostolic reformation leaders that are um, have endorsed this translation. Mm-hmm. Um he has none of the requisite knowledge, meaning he doesn't have a a degree in hebrew or greek mm. from um uh, uh one of the top summaries like you would have the esv you have the guys on that put together the esv they have the best degrees um in hebrew and greek that you can get and that's why they're on that that's why they're on the committee sure. he says that he's the lead translator mm. um of it but he has no he's never led a a team actually to translate the bible and i, and I just mentioned that not to pick on him mm-hmm. but to say these things are out there and the a bible is under attack i mean i know we, we could talk about jehovah witnesses and mormons and it's it's really the same thing um they want to retranslate the bible because in order for them to to you know deal with these things um they have to retranslate the bible to suit their theology mm-hmm. and this undermines as well the authority of scripture and so this this question about having a good understanding of scripture, we, we have to be clear. The simple answer is there's no way to know God other than the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so it matters that you have a good understanding of the Bible because the Bible is reliable. It's trustworthy. It's without error. It's without the possibility mm-hmm. of error. It's clear. It's for every phase and stage of our life. It's binding on our lives. Um, we can say that also that the scripture is, is coherent and it's consistent because behind that, it, behind the scriptures is, is God. 
Um, and God never lies, Titus 1-2 says, and so God stands behind his word. All of his promises, Second uh, Corinthians 1-20 tells us, are yes and amen in Christ. And so, he, he, you know, you, you could go on and on. I mean, from every, every angle, every, every perspective, this, this is a foundational matter. I mean, you can't have, everybody has doctrine. Um, you know, the new apostolic reformation has doctrine. Um, all these, the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Mormons, they, the atheists has doctrine. But the matter is, 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 it, is it grounded in what God has said and in what God has defined? Because if it's not, it's going to lead people astray. And that, that was really why I brought up the example at the beginning and the, the couple examples that I used mm -hmm. just because people think, okay, I know that, but you're giving me the Sunday school answer. I'm giving you the Sunday school answer to show you, hey, the Sunday school answer is the answer. Yeah. Um, and just because it's basic doesn't mean that it's it's not meant to be insulting either. It's it's meant to say that the most basic things are actually the most profound things, and we have to go back to those the the essentials, especially on this. They really really matter. And um, you know, I could say something else that but being a fundamentalist, and this is a fundamental issue of the faith, an essential matter of the faith. It's not a bad thing, you know, um, in this in this instance, being faithful to the fundamentals, to the essentials of the faith, it, it, especially, you know, if you're going to call yourself an evangelical, not even call yourself reform, but yeah. this, these are like the, the foundation for even being evangelical. Mm -hmm. And there's people that don't even pass that litmus test of what it means to be an evangelical because they, they don't believe the authority of the yeah. Bible anymore. Well, and I think that it's so important, too. I mean, you'd mentioned progressive Christianity as well earlier, you know, and how, how much of a slippery slope that truly is once you start going, once you start denying the inerrancy and infallibility of Scripture, how do we know anything that what we believe is true, you know? And so it's, it's one of those things that has, uh, that has relevance to, to our Christian, to to what it means to truly be a Christian. You know, mm -hmm. we need to either take God's word in its entirety for what it claims to be or just deny it and walk away, which is what you can't do, but you can't have it both ways. No, and I, in earlier, uh, uh, TD, the re resident youth guy, was uh, <laughs> was sharing just videos, I mean, on social media. Uh, and TD, what were you just sharing just real quick? Just kind of... Yeah, so I saw some reels last night about um, this Instagram page talking about that they're not a progressive um, Christian page, but they do talk about how LGBTQ is inclusive and how um, the Bible is not inerrant, but it actually changes going with the historical times. And But they don't claim to be progressive, but, you know, you can see some of those, I guess, types of things, you know. Mm, yeah. So, yeah, yeah I'm sorry. Uh, no worries. I was just going to say that that is the issue. You have mm. people that say that they believe in, in inerrancy, but functionally they deny it. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, and, and inerrancy, inerrancy means without error. The stronger term, the, the thing that you need to pay attention to is if somebody believes in infallibility, that the Bible is without the possibility of error. Yeah. Because often what people will do is they'll say they believe in, in inerrancy. What they believe mean is that they believe in functional inerrancy that you know, it's possible that potentially that the Bible is full of contradictions and supposed myths and things like that. And that's what you really see 
uh, not as explicit as that with things on gender and sexuality, where they come to to your point, uh, to be that you know people don't believe um, what the Bible says about gender and sexuality, mm -hmm. and that is that is the issue. Mm -hmm. Like you can't just pledge allegiance, if you will, in in that way to the to the Bible, and then to to Stephen's point say i don't i i don't really believe that so so now you're actually ripping but my, my, you might as well be honest here and just say okay well i'm gonna rip out parts of my bible well guys um the church has actually responded to that too yeah, yeah. and we have a good answer for that the, the whole bible is true i mean because if you don't you don't believe if you disbelieve part of it you just believe the whole of it um because you, you're you're just undermining the the trustworthiness of god and then you're undermining his holiness. Yes. Um, yeah. so. so, so Dave, how does a biblical theology help the average Christian? Well, this is, this is a really important question. And I think it's important um, that, you know, the, it's important because of Jesus. I mean, the Sunday school answer again, but it's also biblical theology is concerned with the whole message of the Bible. Uh, in Luke 24, 27, we, we see Jesus interpreting uh, the scriptures concerning himself from the law and the prophets. So all of scripture, they only have, right, the whole Old Testament. Mm -hmm. So as we talk even about progressive, um, quote unquote, again, air quotes, progressive <laughs> Christianity, you know, they would approach it as a collection of stories or interesting facts or fables or ideas, which is what, by the way, when we talk about progressive Christianity, I, I do want to be clear about this. And it's kind of a controversial thing to say is that progressive Christianity is really theological liberalism repackaged. Mm -hmm. And they've actually tried to, um, in a large way, influence, um, especially in this area, historically, um, uh, as a matter of fact, on, on the aspect of biblical theology, which is why it's so encouraging to me in the last probably 10 to 15 years we have seen um, with the resurgence of Reformed theology and those types of things an emphasis on biblical theology because biblical theology, it helps us to see the unity of Scripture, how um, the whole Bible centers on the person and work of Jesus. And then you see all the, the various um, you know threads that, that pull together. Uh, the Short Studies in Biblical Theology series does this exceptionally well. Um, on all the topics that it covers. Uh, if, if your listeners haven't checked that out, I would strongly encourage you to check out that series from Crossway. Mm, yeah. It's uh, phenomenal. And, and, they, and they, just, they just do this really well. They, they help you, you know, to, to really get um, how biblical theology um, relates to, you know, the whole Bible and practically, very practically, how those subjects all, you know, find their completion goal apex is Annie's Dr. Annie Nacelli uh, wrote, um, you know, a biblical theology finds its apex goal in, in Jesus and all that. So, hmm. yeah. So Dave, can you talk about the terms theology from above and theology from below? What do they, those terms mean? And uh, why is it important to have a good understanding <laughs> of both of those? Yeah, yeah. This this gets to the heart of what we're talking about when we talk about progressive uh, Christianity. Uh, a theology from above, it sees special revelation as coming from God, the 66 books in the Word of God. And um, a theology from below considers the Bible 
and feeling side by side. Um, this this makes uh, scripture subjective to you know my feelings, my personal take, and whatever whatever I want, right? Um, whereas scripture is the only objective standard for truth. Um, scripture we can say is to interpret our feelings, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. Um, this is why in the Psalms, especially, you see the psalmist, you know, sharing his 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 concern, and then he turns around and he hopes in God. Right, mm-hmm. Psalm forty-two through forty-three are uh, examples of this. Um, so the danger in one's feelings being upheld at the same, you know, authority or value as Scripture is, is because. You know, one's feelings are basically of the same importance in one's spiritual growth and understanding, you know, of the revelation of God in Scripture. So if feelings are the determiner of truth, then we're going to do whatever we think, whatever we feel. It's, it's going to, we're going to do whatever is right in our, in our own eyes. Yes. And yet the sad reality is that we know from Jeremiah 17 that the heart is desperately mm-hmm. wicked. And so that means that God's pretty clear our feelings are pretty untrustworthy but there's an even a greater reason why we want to avoid a theology from below that's um when we follow our feelings we're going to be deceived Mm. we're not going to test what's noble and good in the word of god um as paul says in philippians 4 and said we're going to be deceived and we're not even going to realize it that's the scary thing uh and we'll even think that sound doctrine doesn't matter and that our thoughts and feelings are on the same level as scripture this is why we need a theology from above um, so that we can preach the truth to our hearts when we're sad, when we're yeah. discouraged, when we're anxious, when we're depressed, when we're upset. So to go back to this point, Scripture is to interpret our feelings and we're to preach the Scripture to ourselves and to one another in our local churches. Yeah, amen. And we're not, we're not denying the importance of emotion and, you know, feeling, affect, and our Christian walk, right? But we don't want to base um, our our Christian life on those feelings. We're basing mm-hmm. our Christian life on the objective truth of Scripture because mm-hmm. our feelings shift so much from day to day. You know, That's I mean, so true. most of the time I feel like I'm not saved. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but if I if I if I base my base my Christian walk on that, you know, I would be a miserable wretch, but I'm, 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 I'm basing my salvation on the objective truth of God's word and what he has done for me in Jesus Christ. And we have to remind that ourselves that every day, right? Especially when we're, like you just said, like, you're just like, I don't, I feel sometimes I don't feel like I'm saved. And I, I have to repeat the words that our Lord has uh, spoken in all 66 books and, and and remind myself that this is what you said about me. Yes, amen. And that everything everything that you have done is because of what you've done and not because of what I've done. Yeah. Because my work is my work is imperfect. It's 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 it's, it's filthy rags, you mm-hmm. know. So talking about like Jehovah's Witnesses, you talked a little bit about that earlier. I've had a lot of conversations with Mormons over the last couple of years. And something that they keep saying is like, you have to feel it. It's in your feelings. And this is actually from their doctrines and covenants. It says the Lord will cause the feeling of security and truth to take hold of the individual and burn within the bosom. And there will be an overwhelming feeling that the thing is right. So how do we differentiate between like the feelings and the truth a little bit more? And then how do we engage with, Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons, because 
we'll probably talk with them at some point. So how would you recommend we engage with them? Well, the first question, we have to be clear about the Bible. Um, the Oxford Dictionary in a couple years ago, I think it was 2019, came up with a word called post-truth. Um, meaning that, you know, people are beyond the truth, they're, they've moved past it. Um, and so everything is about me and my feelings and, and what I believe. And um, I, I really appreciate what you said, Stephen, because that, that's really highlights what you said about what I meant about, you know, scripture interpreting our feelings. It's, it's not that we minimize or even neglect uh, our, our feelings. Mm. We, we can take our burdens and our cares to the Lord. Amen. But, we, but we also have to say that uh, to the Mormon, um, we have to be, you have to be so clear with, with Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses, mm. uh, painstakingly so, um, that the truth does not abide in your feelings. Mm. The truth um, is objective. It's, it's, it belongs to God. It doesn't belong in the realm of what I think, what I feel. It belongs with the Lord. I've had, um, I, I lived in um, southern Idaho for 10 years, and my, my wife um, grew up in southern Idaho. And um, so we had, we've, over the years, we've had many conversations about Mormonism, and, and I've talked with many Mormons. And, you know, they, they do want to go back to, they want to make it subjective with you. Um, and so you have to make it about what the Bible says. You have to, for all of these controversial subjects, that, that's going to be my answer. You have mm -hmm. to take them back to the Bible. Yeah. But it's not only that you just take them back to the Bible. And, and, and I, and I, I got to be clear here because some people might hear that. Well, here's my Bible, but why don't I just smack them upside the head? Well, <laughs> that's, not, that's not exactly what I mean when I say that either. We have the objective truth, but the Bible as I said earlier, it tells us not only how that we're to be faithful to the message of Scripture, but it also tells us how we're to do that. Mm -hmm. And so, so as I we get into some of these things, I, I, I want to say that at the outset, but um, and, and I'll say a little bit more about that as we go through. But I, I would say if you're going to engage with a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon, do your research on mm. uh, with your Bible open, really, really mm -hmm. important, with mm -hmm. your Bible open. Um, and, and go to their, the thing about the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witness, they have things on their website. Um, you'll go to their, like the Mormons website, you'll go to, you know, their website and you'll see their statement of faith, but they have more behind that about what they, what they think and what they teach the Jehovah's Witnesses do as well. And so you, we have, in fact, the, the Jehovah's Witnesses pride themselves on, um, being their website on a number of ways with SEO, search engine optimization, they pride themselves on being one of the top ranked in every category related to, you know, the Bible and Christianity hmm. and so on and so forth. And they, and they spend money on that. And so um, do your research. It's out there. Um, ask lots of questions um, about, you know, what Mormons and Jehovah's think. For example, I'll ask them, who do you think Jesus is? Now, they might come back to you, as they have with me, and said, you know, yeah, I don't believe in the Jesus that you believe, and I don't believe in the Bible that you believe. And you can just say, you know what? Actually, what you believe really does matter. Hmm. Um, I use a story in the book about engaging with a Jehovah's Witness who was um, – we were at an apologetic thing, and he, he was uh, on the campus of Boise State University. 
and he had come and he wanted to hand out tracks or whatever. And I asked him this question. He told me, <coughs> I don't believe in the, I don't believe in the Jesus that you believe. And I don't believe in the Bible that you mm -hmm. believe. And I said, well, it still matters what you believe. Doctrine mm -hmm. matters. Now he thought I was being rude and crass. And he even said that he was there to tell somebody about somebody. And I'm like, well, that's great. Um, so am I. Um, and then I proceeded to, the, the conversation, you know, kind of broke down, but, but utilize that, they, that, that for them, they, they might stop the conversation. They might not want to interact, but ask yeah. the question, sure. ask open-ended question, mm -hmm. uh, listen to them. Don't interrupt them. Uh, share what scripture says, take them back to the Bible. Um, when engaging with Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses, we need to remind ourselves, and this is one of my favorite scriptures, Second Timothy 2, 24 and 25 says, and the and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach patiently, enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant to them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. Just think about this for a minute. The fruits of the Spirit, how many of those did Paul just, just list in that yeah. text? Hmm. Patience, kindness, um, you know, gentleness. These are things that the Holy Spirit is working into our lives as he is indwelling us uh, and so he's aiming to produce these things in you kindness and patience and gentleness and so as you're engaging with the mormon or jehovah's witness realize this is a person yeah. and, and i said don't take your bible and club them over the head but the reason is is first peter three fifteen, right to always be ready to give a reason for the hope and to do it with gentleness fruit of the spirit yeah he's working respect. in you yeah and respect so take these, take Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses to Scripture, show them what Scripture says. Our job is to be faithful to the Word and then entrust our efforts to mm. the Spirit. Amen. Yeah, uh, for our listeners, uh, you if you were listening to maybe earlier uh, episodes uh, when I was talking um, about just meeting with a Jehovah Witness, I was starting to get really frustrated, you know, uh, when I was meeting with him. And I met with him for a year. And then I started realizing that it was not getting anywhere in the sense because we would talk over each other and we were, you know, when it's like, well, this says this, this. And then I realized that, you know what, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. If the Lord is going to work in this person, it's him that's doing the work. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, he's, for whatever reason, at that moment in time, he has allowed me to come in this person's life, you know, and I was able to redirect how I was engaging him and just say, Hey, well, this is what scripture says. Let me point you to other verses. What, uh, what the Bible says about who Jesus is. And, and, and it started to get a, a lot better. And I was able to give him a, um, I gave him a Hebrew and Greek, uh, concordance with a, a dictionary. And the funny thing is, is that I handed this, to, this to him right in front of like, uh, this was at, at Starbucks right in front of some other members. And I was like, Oh man, I hope this guy does. I'm thinking to myself. And the funny thing is that that was the last time that we met for about like eight months. And then I reached out to him. I was like, Hey, what's going on? And I wonder, I wonder if he got in trouble for it, but I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Dave, uh, we had, a we had a, one of our authors on episode 185, his, uh, Daniel Darling, and he wrote a book, the characters of creation. And we talked a little bit about how Adam, the literal Adam has been under attack. Um, how should Christians response, respond to attacks on Adam as a real person in real 
history? Well, you know, this is a really, really critical question because, you know, it affects our, your answer to this question will affect um, your answer to just about everything as it relates to the Bible, hmm. uh, from how God made the world, hmm. uh, to how he made us, to sin, to salvation, to the end times, to the church, to marriage, uh, to our relationships with one another. I mean, every, every single subject. And so, you know, in the Bible, we see this. Th th some people think, oh, this isn't very clear. <laughs> it's not very clear. Okay, I, I encourage you to go read the first 11 chapters of Genesis, okay? Mm -hmm, yeah. And then come back and you tell me if it's not clear, hmm. okay? That, and I, and I, say it, I say it that way because it's so abundantly clear. Genesis 1, Genesis 2, Genesis 5. Um, you go to the New Testament now. I mean, it's everywhere in the Old Testament. So I'm not saying that, but you go to read um, Matthew one, um, it's it's there. Uh, you, you know every genealogy it lists Adam. Uh, it, that's not clear. Paul makes it explicitly clear, grounding it in the creation and um, teaching that I just mentioned in Romans five twelve through twenty one, that Adam is a real person in real history. Mm. So people think that um, Adam is a made up person. He's a fairy tale. He's a myth of ancient history. But as I just mentioned, the Bible is explicit on this. Um, and I and I give all of these scriptures in my book, so I'm not going to give all of them because it's, we would be here all day. And they got to go thing, get the book, right? <laughs> well, I mean, I am I am saying that too. But one thing that's interesting, I'll also say, is um, the even even the atheists, mm -hmm. the atheists, mm -hmm. the American uh, Atheist Association said this. Um, Chances are, and this was an article which is down now, but it's on Answers in Genesis because they were smart and they they captured this, um, which reminds me that I need to do that myself in my own writing. But uh, you, they said, chances are, if you're reading this, you don't believe in the fable of Adam and Eve and the talking snake, they say. You probably don't believe that Adam literally ate a fruit resulting in God expelling him and Eve out of the idyllic Garden of Eden. In other words, you know that's a myth, they say. Right, so far. So if Adam and Eve and the talking snake are myths, then original sin is also a myth, right? Mm -hmm. Well, think about it. Jesus' major purpose, they say, was to save mankind from original sin. Original sin makes believers unworthy of salvation, but you get it anyway, so you should be grateful for being saved from which uh, does not exist. Without original sin, the marketing, they say, that all people are sinners and therefore need to accept Jesus falls mute. All we're asking is that you take what you know into serious consideration, even if it means taking a hard look at all you've been taught for your whole life, they say. No, Adam and Eve means no need for a savior. Mm -hmm. It also means that the Bible cannot be trusted as a source of unambiguous literal truth. It is completely unreliable because it all begins with a myth and it builds on that basis. No fall of man means no need for atonement and no need for a redeemer. You know, when, when I... When I, when I read that, guys, I, I was speechless. I was like, are you kidding me? Uh, growing up in Seattle, I dealt with many, many atheists. And, and, I, and I can't ever, ever remember an atheist being this clear. Like, this explicit, are you kidding me? Yeah. This explicitly clear. And this just shows that even the atheist understands that Adam is a real person. Yeah. They don't believe it, but they but they understand that, that an atheist that Adam is a real person in real history. How did they come to that conclusion? Yeah. They read, as I said, the first 
11 chapters of Genesis, and they took it literally as Moses intended uh, it to be taken. So again, how do we respond to these things? We go back to the Bible. The Bible, you can say, is its own best apologetic. It is the Word of God. We don't have now. Now, I'm not saying that we that we don't utilize resources like good biblical books that explain topics and commentaries and so on. Yeah. But we we have to know our Bible. We have to know what the Bible says and what it means, and and we need to be taught that um, from the Word of God. And and this this also relates affects. Uh, there's a whole organization dedicated to undermining Adam as a real person, a real history, biologos. Mm. And what they what they do, what that does is it undercuts the, the very idea that we can know things for certain, which is at the very heart of what science is, you know, mm. the scientific method. And um, unfortunately, we're living in a day when we're not talking about science anymore. We're talking about the elevation of something else other than science. It's called scientism, yeah. which is totally different than what science is concerned with. But yeah, without an original Adam, we don't have a second Adam, do we? And we yeah. don't have salvation. And so having that understanding, that belief in a literal Adam um, is crucial to our understanding as uh, what it means to be saved as a Christian. We, we, uh, we, don't, we, don't, we lose the, uh, the doctrines of uh, total depravity, total inability or from original sin without that first Adam, and we don't have the salvation that uh, we need in Christ, the second Adam, without that. So. Yeah, TD, what were you showing us earlier? You, you, TD came in earlier with like all these videos, excited for your for your podcast, Dave. And uh, what were you? What was that girl saying, or that article that you read about just uh, uh, Adam and Genesis? Do you remember? Um, just yeah, that they're not historical. Yeah, that Adam is not a historical like person. Yeah, and and they use that as part of their defense as to why. Like we don't have to because in you know biblical Christianity now we would use Adam as headship, right? And we use Adam um, as the headship in the relationship. And mm-hmm. you know now obviously they would attack that and say like no, Adam's not the headship, and that's why they're pro you know same sex marriage and they're pro LGBTQ et cetera et cetera et cetera because they don't have that foundation of Adam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which which is a good segue to our next. Uh, our next question, Dave, with regards to gender and sexuality, um, which are topics that are huge um, topics that are under attack today from a Christian perspective. So talk a little bit about those those topics and what our responses as Christians should be coming from a biblical point of view. Well, I'll start this by again saying we have to take people back to the Bible. I sound like it. I sound like a dead record. That's but, okay. <laughs> you know, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta believe the we're, Bible. We're simple we people, gotta, so we like those simple we, answers. Yeah. You know, we gotta, and we gotta trust that the Holy Spirit would use the word as Jesus said in the upper room discourse. Right. Mm-hmm. You have to. So, but, but the, I'll give a better answer than, I mean, more of an answer than that. You know, this is a multi-pronged attack. One is in our legal system in the United States is to make it so that homosexuality, transgenderism, and everything that is contrary to a biblical worldview is normalized. Hmm. When I use the word normalized, you might wonder, well, what does that mean? You know, you might have heard it before. It's a sociological term. It means that this idea is to be accepted by the culture as a cultural 
value. And we're already seeing this in our school system in the United States. Um, I saw it as a substitute teacher working with paraprofessionals in Idaho of all places mm-hmm. where they even have transgender bathrooms. And I'm, I'm not even kidding. Wow. Uh, where one kid could change their gender one day and the, and the next they could change it back. Um, it's, a, it's a real big issue. But, but the one big thing I want to say, and I said it already, is we need to go back to what the Bible says, and we do not need to compromise on what Scripture says. Hmm. This has been the biggest disappointment for me in the last decade especially, is Christians say, well, I believe in inerrancy. I believe, I believe the Bible. And then you have denominations that fudge on this, on hmm. you know, women pastors, uh, homosexuality, quote-unquote gay Christianity. But – let me be clear about this. This is a matter of speaking the truth in love. And mm. the truth in love is this. God created one man for one woman to be in marriage for life under God. Mm. That means something. And I, we are living in a day when you have to spell things out like this. You, so I'm going to spell it out, okay? This means that gen, the gender pronoun issue, homosexuality, quote-unquote gay Christianity, other things, they oppose a biblical worldview, and they stand opposed to the teaching of Scripture itself. Mm. And so when we deal with arguments on gender and sexuality, we need to not only understand what the Bible says, first and foremost, but we need to take the medicine that the Bible gives and apply it in a Christ-centered way. Mm. Uh, What that means is the person that's struggling with sexual sin Now, whether that's homosexuality, transgenderism, pornography, so on and so forth, they need the Bible. You know, uh, they need to have someone who can rightly handle the Word of God and take them back to what Scripture teaches, walk them through Scripture, point them to Christ. Like like I mentioned with Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, growing up in Seattle when I was at a community college and really in high school and living there, um, I had many conversations because I'm not afraid to carry around my Bible. And so people ask you questions, believe it or not, when you carry around your Bible. And and they did. And I sat there and listened to story after story after story uh, from, you know, people struggling with homosexuality and pornog- guys struggling with, um, you know, pornography. And I, I, that's one of the biggest issues in my email box mm. is guys struggling with pornography yeah. and what we have to understand is God assigned us a specifically assigned gender. He made a man to be a man and a woman to be a woman. And and we, we can listen to them. We can care for them. Our, our, our local churches should be a safe place for people struggling with sexual sin of any any kind. Yeah. You know, uh, we, we all come out of many different backgrounds and struggle with many in many different ways. All of us. Um, so none of us have, you know, it's. John Flavel, that Puritan, once said it's easier to cry uh, a thousand sins in, in somebody else than one of our own. And it's so true. We're, we're so easy, right? Jesus talks about that in Matthew 7. It's, it's easier. It's, it's, we have to take the log out of our own eye. Yeah. And, and only as we're able to do that, Galatians 6, 1 through 2 says, can we bear each other's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ, which is love. And, uh, of course, we know what, as Christians, God has done. He's given us that new heart with new desires and new affections uh, for himself. And so our, our heart should be one of uh, compassion uh, for those that are, that are struggling with sexual sin. But it should also 
uh, not just be one of compassion, it should be one of being faithful uh, to the word. We have to be faithful to the word. Uh, but it also matters that we're compassionate. Uh, when we're just faithful to the scripture with somebody struggling with sexual sin, and I, and I can say this because um, before I got married, I was enslaved to sexual sin, to pornography. And so I can, I can definitely and decidedly speak to this, um, not only from the Bible, from you know, what the God has done in my own personal life. The person struggling with sexual sin lives in a perpetual state of guilt and condemnation, mm -hmm. and they need the gospel. They need what the Bible has to say because, the Bible, as I said at the beginning, the only way to know God, the only way to know who we are and what we are and who God has made us to be and how we're to be saved and grow and be part of the church and so on and so forth is in the Bible. And so we have to go back to what the scripture says yeah. and we have to take people back to scripture and we have to point them. Um, there's a biblical counselor, a friend of mine, and he asked a convicting question. He says, how much of God's word do you know? And then how much of God's word can you utilize in your ministry? Hmm. And it's a good question on all these questions to ask yourself, how much of the word do I know? So that when somebody with sexual sin, some Mormon, Jehovah's Witness, and so on and so forth, you talk with them, how much of God's word do you personally have access to, to utilize in your ministry with people that have issues, we'll say, with the Bible? Yeah. I appreciate the fact, Dave, that you bring up pornography, too, yeah. as one of those sexual sins. Because we're not just talking here about homosexuality or transgenderism yeah. or or whatever, you know, those things might seem kind of distant to some of us, but pornography is one of those things as guys, you know, that I think every one of us needs to be aware about. And we've probably struggled with at some point, yeah. you know? And so I appreciate the fact that you bring that up because anytime we contradict God, what God's word says to us with regards to sexuality and how we were created, we're in sin and it needs to be dealt with, and God's Word deals with it. And I know that, uh, Tommy, you've been with a group of guys, and what book were you guys going through? So we're still going through a book called Death um, to Porn by Ray Ortland, and it's talking of, it emphasizes God's design. It does give you the practical of, of what to do and, and, you know, practical things, but it emphasizes God's design, that you're made in the image, that she's made in the image, and that Christ is royalty. And it's it's emphasizing God's design and, and why we need to stick to biblical sexuality, like you mentioned, Dave. That's that's mm. awesome. That's awesome. That's, that's wonderful. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Love Man, it. Dave, that podcast went fast. But uh, before we start landing the plane here, uh, Dave, Romans 10, 14 says, how then would they call on him whom they've not believed? How would they believe in whom in him who they've not heard? And how would they hear without a preacher? Mm. Can you share the good news, the gospel mm. to our worldwide audience today? Man, you tell a preacher and get give the gospel. <laughs> I mean, you're 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 in you're in for it. I think I said that last time. I mean, you are in for it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, for sure. Well, as I mentioned earlier about the question about biblical theology, the the whole Bible has a unity. It centers on the personal work of Christ. We mm -hmm. see that even in Luke 24, where Jesus interprets Himself as the Son of God and the Son of Man. He interprets the Scripture from the Scripture Himself and 
Uh, in verse uh, Luke tw- uh, uh, 24, 17, their eyes are kept from understanding the, 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 who Jesus is and what he's come to do. But later, uh, we discover in the story that uh, their eyes are open mm. and they believe and they go out and tell people about Christ. This is what Christ does. Mm. He, it, we're to hear, as you mentioned, Abe, about from Romans 10. How can you hear if you don't know? You have to hear about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. It is at the heart of the scriptures. Put another way, the scriptures reveal a sufficient Christ. He is sufficient to save. Mm. And this is why Acts 16.31 says to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Repent and believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we that's at the heart of of the gospel, of, of how we're to respond that for the sinner is to respond to Christ, is to repent and trust in Christ. So whether you're talking with a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon or somebody struggling with sexual sin, you should make that clear about you need to repent and believe and to trust in Christ alone. So if you've never done that today, I would say to do and to trust and to believe what the Bible says about uh, yourself, uh, that you are a sinner in need of a savior and that Christ has come and Christ has paid the penalty in your place and for your sin and rose again. Mm. But I also would say to the Christian, you need to believe and to trust the gospel. Um, after all, Romans 8, 31 through 39 tells us five times that we are we are who we are. We're in Christ. We're, we're held secure by the Lord Jesus. Mm. And, and so not only know the word as he's revealed in the word, but take him at his word mm-hmm. take him at his word don't just say oh i believe he's up oh, how are you doing at it as uh, james uh, james tells us that it's not enough just to hear the word we're to do the word mm-hmm. so we have to take him at his word we need to study we need to mind the scriptures with full confidence that the god who gave you the word is using his word personally in your life he does it for your good and he does it to help you to grow to be like christ so you can grow in christ likeness and and be faithful to him uh, before a lost and dying world. So dear Christian, Christ is sufficient. Mm. Trust him. He's enough for you. He always will be. Mm. Wow. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, please pick up Dave Jenkins' new book, The Word Matters, Defending Biblical Authority Against the Spirit of the Age by G3 Press. Now, Dave, uh, I always like to say this, where can people find you if you want to be found? Social media, website, where can we find, where can they find you? Well, you can, you can find me at, uh, you know, on Twitter, Dave J. Jenkins. You can find me on um, Instagram at Dave J. Jenkins, uh, Twitter or Facebook, Dave Jenkins, SOG. You can uh, listen to my podcast Monday and Wednesday. I do an episode interview authors like you guys and Wednesdays I do episodes on issues in the church i have a manhood podcast uh i I answer listeners questions on thursdays friday i i do a bible study and i'm going through the book of psalms go to our website servantsofgrace.org we have 22 um years of resources from writers all over the world including two dozen issues of our magazine theology for life on a wide variety of issues on scripture and a biblical worldview including topics that we've uh discussed here today so Thank you guys so much for having me. That's I, awesome. I really appreciate the ministry that you guys have and 
continue to pray Christ's precious blessings for you. No, it's been a blessing to us. Yeah, Dave, thank you for being a friend of the ministry. And again, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you can go back and listen to uh, Dave's uh, 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 first book, uh, episode 161, The Word Explored. Really good, really good episode. Please go check that out. Dave, thank you for coming on Bridge Radio. Uh, and again, if you have any other books or anything, you, you got to come back on, right? Like, so we're, or even if you don't have a new book, just come back. <laughs> just on. come back on, yeah. You Whatever know. you guys want me, man, yeah. I'm, I'm available. You know? Yeah, we 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 are excited. We are excited. I uh, can't wait uh, to have your book here, selling your book and the yeah, people. Absolutely. So thank you again for just being with us today and being a friend of the ministry. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes this week's episode with Dave Jenkins. On his new book, The Word Matters, Defending Biblical Authority Against the Spirit of the Age by G3 Press. Guys, what do we think about that episode? That was a lot Very of fun. I, I just really enjoy Dave. He's just a down-to-earth guy. He's just solid. Just good stuff. Knows yeah. how to really dissect the question, for sure. Yeah, he's a really good guy. I mean, I mean this is... This book is really important. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we were always having conversations about, hey, what, is, what does the Bible s- say? Who's your authority? Mm-hmm. And sticking to it. And sticking to it, right? Like, you know, we have conversation. What does scripture say? Mm-hmm. Is scripture true? Is it your authority? Or, or are you going to let your feelings, you know, uh, override what the word uh, says? Or right? culture. Or culture and, and you know and, and and I think that's a fair question. Yes, our feelings do matter, but they can't trump what Scripture says, yes, right? Absolutely. Because, like you said, the heart is wicked uh, above everything. Thank God right? we have an objective truth to go to, right? Yeah. That He's revealed to us. So that should be so so comforting to us, mm-hmm. you know, right? Like we're able to go to Scripture because it's true, and and. And again, you know, TD, you just shared some videos earlier on in the podcast before we started. I was like, people are saying this, yeah. like people are believing, like people in church. I mean, people are infiltrating our church, our church and just saying all these things that are not true. And then you're just mixing other guys with other guys and just putting it together. And, and you know, I think we live in a time where we just get really lazy and we're not being Bereans true. at all. Yeah. We're just like, oh, well, he said it. it it's, it's it's good. Yeah. You know, I think we live in an age where being a Berean is even that much more important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Amen. Well, please don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And like we always like to end the show, what is your only comfort in life and in death that I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ? To next week, guys. To next week.